It is time for your favorite Android podcast from the crew of BlindAndroidUsers.com. Kick back and enjoy another fine episode from these Google fanboys as they navigate Android from a blindness perspective. And now, here are your hosts. Hello and welcome to episode 34 of the Blind Android Users podcast. I'm Ed Green and I'm joined today by my co-hosts Warren Carr, Austin Pinto, Mario Mosen, Doug Cameron and Anna Garza. And we're recording on Saturday the 31st of July. In this episode, we have our usual announcement section. We'll then move on to our next must-have category of apps. And this week, it's email clients. We'll then have our uh, next commentary episode brought to us by Marion in the use of the commentary screen reader. Next, we turn to our app of the week section and Warren demonstrates water resistant. And we're joined live for her Android journey by Rana Kiwan. How is everyone? Warren, you've been without internet, haven't you? I am without internet, and I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to last through this episode, but I'm hotspotting through my phone, and uh, so if I'm not coming through as clear as I ought to be, guys, that's what's going on, and with only one gig of internet data from my Google Fire, guys, I'm not sure that I even have enough. So here I am. I'm going to be here, and we'll just rock this baby through. So basically, Warren's joining us through duct tape and hope. That's basically it. That's what's holding his box cart together today. Fingers crossed, folks. Austin, how are you? I'm doing good. It's uh, very nice here. It's all good. Excellent. Anna, we've not heard from you for a while. Are you well? I am doing well. I'm in the middle of a heat wave, so I'm hot and I'm cranky. Nice. I think, we had I that think a Anna's... Anna's the one pushing that crap to my side. Yesterday, we hit 105 <laughs> degrees. Just imagine that. Unbelievable. Happy to serve. Happy to serve. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, we were in a heat wave. I got so frustrated, I went to shave my head. I decided the guy hadn't done a good enough job, and I took a wet razor to it. So uh, I, I understand. I understand the heat wave. Dougie boy, Alberta well? Yeah, it's not too bad. I'm vertical, under-caffeinated, and hot. So, you know... <laughs> <laughs> nice. Ariam, what's going on? Yeah, things are good. We're having a heat wave hit as well, so it's pretty hot. You're in Egypt. You're always having a heat wave, aren't you? It's the desert. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, I, I like the sound of that, though. It's kind of crazy, but I do. Hey, Anna, what's going on in Lebanon? How was what? I don't know. Whatever you want to tell us about. What's happening? How are you? Yeah. How's Lebanon? the world life that's in general be, be as existential as you like uh, that's why I'm, I'm asking how is what because we are really in a financial crisis and the situation is not is not good at all um our currency has collapsed a great deal and we're suffering actually but at least you have some food to eat right that's the most important yeah. see this boy likes yeah. his food <laughs> yes, we, we can make tabbouleh, but shawarma is expensive. <laughs> well, Rana, you try to make the best out of it. Um, as long as there's something to eat now and then, I think we're good, right? Yes, of course. That's good. I think it's over to Austin then. Uh, what announcements have we got, Austin? So the announcement section this week, we have got some extra content. We have got the Unboxing of the Cosmic Watch 
Warren's favorite watch. Warren liked that watch a lot. So that is the extra content. We have got some OCR demos. Not much, but a few of them. And uh, our site is doing very good. So it's almost ready. We'll be live shortly in some days, maybe fully live. And the newsletter plugin is being worked on. So please subscribe to that newsletter so that whenever there's a new podcast, you can get an email update or whenever there's a new post, we can send you email updates. All thanks to our WordPress captain, Doug. Uh, I'd say I'm probably slightly lower than captain. I'll I'll take lieutenant. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Austin. And another thing we wanted to cover, I think, in this section, uh, and we can have a bit of a debate about this, uh, Warren, Google has made some changes, hasn't it, to both the frequency with which you need to update apps and also... Uh, to the apps that you're going to be able to take advantage of accessibility permissions. It's a huge thing. And, you know, Google started talking about this thing either back in 2017 or 2018. There was such a backlash from, you know, the community, most especially from developers. Uh, You know, we don't want to do this, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, we want access. Now, in reality, why are we talking about this? Because... If you're making something or taking advantage of the accessibility access, the whole idea is to provide people who have disabilities, you know, for my knucklehead who is blind or, you know, some other person has some dexterity issues or some hearing issues. So apps that have access to that is intended to make things easier for us. But if you're writing like a, you know, a not taking app and you want access to accessibility, that's clearly an abuse of that service. So I am with Google on this one because there's no need having all of these people uh, taking advantage of that. And what that means is that when you do that, it has access to all kinds and permissions on your phone. And I'm not sure that I want a note-taking app to have access to the accessibility framework. It's just absolutely stupid. So I'm glad Google is back on it. And uh, most especially also about those guys that leave apps there for years and years unattended. Uh, becoming abandoned where Google's going to remove that crap out of uh, the Play Store if you're not attending to it. So I think it's a win-win situation for all of us and most especially those of us who like Android. Yeah, so, so I got, I mean, I sort of agree with you on the former. I, I fundamentally disagree with you on the latter, but we can come to that in a minute. So, so what do you think about an app like Tasta then? Should that have accessibility permissions? Because that does some quite clever uh, automation, doesn't it? But it's not an accessibility service. Tasta, accessibility permissions or not? As they're accessibility oriented, they help people uh, speed things up. So I think you could make a case for that, even though it's technically speaking not an accessibility app. That, that's not why it was brought in, though, was it, Anna? I mean, it, it's an app for everybody, isn't it? I mean, we. Yeah, benefit. it's an app for everybody. And Google does have a form that you can fill and explain why. Your app needs that, you know, in order to function. And you you have to make a case for it. But see, there's too many apps out there asking for that accessibility or wanting to say, hey, I want to have access to it. And when in reality, they have nothing to do with it. But if it's something that is useful and surely does need that for sure, Google is going to make an excuse for that. It's not a blanket thing, but you've got to be, we need to be careful which ones we allow if they truly need that access uh, to the accessibility framework. Might it be then that the accessibility framework is misnamed? Because what 
what we actually want is is good apps to have access, don't we? Even if they're not performing an accessibility function, you know, some of the some of the apps that allow you to button map different functions on your phone, I think want access to the accessibility framework. And while we might use them as accessibility functions, other people might use them as, you know, productivity things. So if, if, if Google purely view it through a lens of accessibility, is, is that going to pose as a problem with some of those apps like Tasta, like the button mappers that uh, uh, aren't strictly speaking accessibility, but which, which deliver that extra functionality? Like I said, though, I think these people will have to make a case for it. And I give you an example of this type of behavior. I have e-reader Prestigio, and for some reason, it needs accessibility. And you know what? I don't even have it on there. Guess what? It's now showing in my TTS engines as a TTS engine, and it's not. And so if I tap on that by mistake, I am toast. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, the other one, though. The needing to keep your apps up to date, that, that does annoy me a little bit. I mean, surely you need to update an app when you need to update an app. That should be the test, not whether or not an app was updated within the next months. I mean, I know well, people that... A lot of times that... an app gets updated as the, um, so, you know, when we have system updates, like from Android 11 to Android 12, some things need a little tweaking. So I, I don't think it needs to be a massive update, but... Like I'm thinking about um, Google's um, remote control app for its TV. That is a piece of junk. Oh my gosh, it's totally inaccessible. It's about three years old and it's never been worked on. And, and I'm thinking, let's just either fix that or get rid of it because, you know, it's, it's just been floating around doing nothing. But, but that would be my test, Anna, whether the app, still works or not because plenty of apps don't need to be updated because the operating system's changed you know eloquence is still muddling along uh, if we if we move away from android to windows i know people still using dos programs from the 90s because uh, the command line works and the programs do what they want oh, i would have thought a, a multi-billion tech corporation like google could have thought of a more sophisticated way to test whether Play Store apps work. And if not, they could allow users to report them rather than saying, you know, your app hasn't been updated in X months, therefore we're going to pull it. Well, and if we go down that road, then we might as well be still be using, you know, that DOS instead and 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 be staying back there. But the whole point is you you put in an app, you know, back in 2012, and you never revisited that app. Now, to me, that has become an abandonware, and I don't care who uses it or who doesn't use it. Google is saying, if you are not attending to it, at least you sign into it every 90 days or whatever. If you don't, then we're going to remove your account and scrap your account. And I think I agree with Google on this one, because we don't have all these things cluttering the Play Store and all, you know, junk um, apps, excuse my espanol, I'm the app junkie and I see a bunch of some of my apps that don't work with my recent Android versions anymore. And so it's absolutely silly. Keep this thing. So, so, so that's, that would be my test, whether the app works or not, not when the app was last updated, because the app might be perfectly happy. Yeah, but there are security holes. These apps are security holes. You're not complying uh, with the security that's going on. You're just introducing um, problems to the OS and I'm with Google on this one. Yeah. No that depends what the app does, though, doesn't it? I mean, I mean, that's going to be, if it's a keyboard, that's a really big risk. 
if it's not, if it has no permissions, if it just beetles away and pulls down some sort of feed from the net to give you some scores. Oh, that's that's a huge security hole there because you know these Android apps that are not being up t- updated and and you know taking advantage of the security things as a problem and we see that over and over again. We don't need to revisit these stories, do we? Well, two looking at a slightly different angle, Google could actually be implementing this to protect the app developers. Because as we've seen within the Telegram group, there's been cracked versions of applications being handed out. It's by basically eliminating them after a certain amount of time of what I'd consider dead time from the developer, and they disappear from the Play Store. That's actually then technically protecting the intellectual property of the app developers. So we could be seeing a bit of that underlying protection from Google which I think would actually be beneficial because then we'd see a lot less cracked apps being floated around the internet. And potentially in some cases, as I've actually came across in the last few days, stolen apps. (laughs) Well, so see, they're not taking advantage of the newer mechanisms to protect their apps because it's back from those days when it's the wild ways and you could grab any app and just make it available to anybody whether it's paid or not it, it doesn't have or know how to check the play store for licensing and all of that and that's why you have this type of apps get, getting pirated and so this is actually a win-win situation to all of us we have better apps and then you know makes people to update their stuff to the 64-bit you know as to the 32-bit and all of that and you know i'm really i don't care if your app is 64-bit or 32-bit as long as it works but by golly update that app Make it secure. <laughs> Don't be taking advantage, you know, opening my thing up there for any knucklehead to get hold of my stuff. I'm not going to be with you. I'm I'm very um, hot on this one. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if an app ain't broke, don't fix it. If it's a security risk, pull it. If it isn't, don't. Google needs to get smarter. Uh, well, say. Google has the big axe, and we're going to axe them out. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sledgehammer to crack a nut, but there we are. Uh, and when Doug spoke about Telegram Group, he was not speaking about blind Android users. We do not tolerate cracked apps, and should they be posted, they get pulled. Don't they, Austin? Yeah, they get pulled within minutes. So no one Mainly because I go, Austin, pull that bloody yeah, app. Yeah, pull that app, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but one, of the, one, of the sad news, one of the sad news about this is that we lose a lot of uh, apps like Get There, we lose like Dice World, unless they update it somehow, KNFB Reader, all those apps will go. Yes, even though they're perfect. Uh, why are you saying we'll lose uh, Get There? You don't know that the guy is not going to update his app, Austin. How do I'm, you know? I'm saying, as, I'm saying as of now, we'll lose the Get There. No, no. He's basically no, on track record, I think, Warren. Yeah. He's basically on basically track on record. record. Like, it hasn't been updated in years. Yeah. <laughs> well, the last time Get There was updated was 2019. I mean, we have I have apps from 2012, guys, that have not wow. been updated. Now I'm not kidding. That tell is, me that is, what kind of behavior that is. Depends on the app. <laughs> Depends what the app does. It might not need updating. Hey, broke, don't fix it. 
Mind you, as we're about to hear, Aquamail, uh, not Aquamail, uh, K9 male has washed its face and combed its hair and tucked its shirt in, hasn't it, in a bit? And so that, that has just, updated itself after three years. That's what I'm going to be talking about yeah. in our email client that, yeah. you know, saw the light and now we have a beautiful they have, email haven't they? client. Yes. Doesn't it look a Bobby Dazzler? Anyway. <laughs> uh so so uh yes that that will whatever we think about it and as if you heard a range of diverse views uh those changes are being introduced by google uh cracking down on apps which can exploit the accessibility service and uh, uh apps which don't uh, update themselves will be pulled all i can say is go google go i'm behind you guys you certainly are <laughs> We now move on to our next must-have app category. And this week, we're going to talk about email clients. Now, as a, as a category, I don't think this needs a great deal of introduction. It's not like OCR or anything else. Uh, we, we all, or many of us at least, use email on our Android phones. It's particularly convenient now that most people are using protocols which allow access to emails on multiple devices. So IMAP, without getting too technical about it. And we are going to talk about our favorite email clients and demonstrate some of them either here or on YouTube. Anna, what's your email client of choice? I am a Gmail user. Now, I know that the Gmail app is something that people love or hate. A lot of people hate, but I really enjoy it. I think it's uh, a good thing to know how to use because it's on our phones. So I'm going to give a quick tour of the app and how it works and get into one or two cool features. Gmail is the email app that comes pre-installed on your phone. It's for reading Gmail, of course, but it's also for reading other types of email like Exchange, Outlook, Yahoo, and AOL. Your Gmail account is set up in the Gmail app when you set up your device. Note that the Gmail app treats Google accounts a little differently from other accounts. So there may be differences in the inbox and in the settings for individual apps. When you open the app, you're on the Gmail main screen. Across the top are four controls. Search in app, navigate up, compose, and signed in as. Across the bottom are two tabs. On the left is Mail, and on the right is Meet. Meet, of course, is Google's answer to Zoom. Over most of the screen is a vertical list of all your messages. If you're reading Gmail or if you're Gmailifying your other email accounts, the top portion of the list of emails has three folders. Priority, which is where most of your email goes. Promotions, which is where coupons and mailings from politicians go. And social, which is where notifications from Facebook and LinkedIn go. Gmail tells you if you have new messages, and may read the sender or subject line of the latest one. For example, you may hear something like, Promotions, Three New Messages, Fresno B. 
Before we get to the messages themselves, let's talk about the controls at the top of the page. Tapping search in mail brings up an edit box and opens the keyboard. You can type a sender's name, a subject line, or a keyword. This feature is buggy, sometimes producing excellent results and sometimes producing no results when you know you have them. In general, it works best when the account is syncing and when you have a stable Wi-Fi connection. Open Navigation Drawer opens a list of labels, which is what Gmail calls folders. Near the top are All Labels, Primary, Social, and Promotions. Next are Recent Labels, the folders you visited lately. After that are All Labels, which includes everything from Sent Mail to Drafts to Trash. And finally, there's a section called Apps. These are icons for launching the Calendar app, the Contacts app, and the Gmail app settings. The Calendar and Contacts icons are very handy, allowing you to add or check a calendar event or contact entry without having to go through the App Drawer or Recent Apps screen. Settings opens a short list of settings for the Gmail app. The first item is General, which offers options that affect all email accounts. Next are the settings for your Gmail account. After that, settings for other email accounts. And finally, a button for adding a new account. Returning to the Gmail main screen, the Compose button is what you tap to start a new email. This is pretty straightforward. At the top is the sender, your email address. If you have more than one email account on this device, that becomes a drop-down so you can change the sender. Next is a To Edit field. You can type the first few letters of the contact's name or email address to bring up a list of suggestions. Tap the suggestion you want, then tap it again to bring up a pop-up where you can copy that email address into the To field or remove it. The CC or BCC button is to the right of the To Edit field. Below the To Edit field is the Subject Edit field, and below that is, of course, the body of the message. Tap each Edit field to enter text, and when you're done, Tap the Send button in the top right corner. If you're very professional and you like sending attachments, the Add Attachment button is to the left of Send. Again, returning to the main screen, the Signed In As button is in the top right corner. Tapping it brings up a short list of options. They include options for changing your profile picture, for changing your Google account, for switching to a different email inbox, and for adding another account. We are ready to work with the messages themselves. Now before we go there, I suggest that you go into the settings for the Gmail app because there are settings that you're going to want to change. Things like adding signatures to your messages, 
setting up automatic responses when you're on vacation. And most importantly for us right now, setting up the Gmail app gestures. Settings for this are in Gmail, Settings, General, Swipe Actions. Options are Archive, Move, and Delete. Now let's get back to the Gmail main screen. To read a message, simply tap it. You can explore or swipe through the information. The subject line is on top. The sender is right below that. And then going down, a row of options. Along the left edge, show contact information. Moving to the right, the recipient. Then along the right edge, reply and more options. Going down is the message body. If the message is short, reply, reply all, and forward may be at the bottom of the screen. To read a conversation, do exactly the same thing. Tap on the message on the Gmail app main screen. When you finish reading the first message, tap the sender right above the show contact information button. That message collapses and the next message below it expands. So if you're an explorer, once you tap the sender of the message you just read, slide your finger down a little bit to find the sender of the next message. Read that message, then tap the sender. That message collapses, the message below it expands, and so on. Another thing you can try is tapping the subject line at the top of the screen. This collapses all messages, which may be handy if the conversation is long and you need to scroll up to access additional posts. To move, delete, and perform other operations on messages and conversations that are located on the Gmail main screen, long press on one or more messages to select them. Remember the long press is a double tap and hold. Then tap one of the items in the action bar that appears at the top of the screen. Options are things like delete, mark as unread, and move. Another way to work with messages quickly is to use the Gmail swipe actions. Explore to the message, roughly in the center of the screen, meaning halfway between the left and right edges. Place two fingers along the message and make a short swipe, about half an inch or one centimeter, to perform the action. I have mine set to delete for a right swipe, so I hear TalkBack say, message deleted. And I have move set to a swipe left, so a pop-up appears asking me which folder I want to move the message to. This is a little tricky, especially if you're not used to exploring, but once you get the hang of it, it works very well. That's a general orientation to Gmail. There is no way to delete all messages at once, and you cannot delete individual messages in conversations. And those are two things that people complain about. Beyond that, I, I think the app is pretty powerful. Uh, Warren, what about you? What what do you use? 
Okay, so I happen to be one of those, you, you know me, the app junkie, I kind of like to have double, triple, or maybe five times, six, whatever times. I have played with several email clients, and I think as we speak, I probably have four or five on my device. I'm going to be demonstrating some of this for our YouTube channel. But today, though, I want to talk about the K9 mail, K-9 and I, you know, the history of it goes something back to the Doctor Who, the dog in there called the canine, whatever that thing is. But the history of canine mail is that actually it came out in 2008 when Google released the first Android device. The email client there was not all that good. So the guy, Jesse Vincent, uh, decided to work something out. And this is what gave us the birth of a canine mail. And uh, so this is the grandpa of all the other email clients that we have today. These are his grannies and all of that. So I would like to say there has been a resurrection of the K9 mail because I think the last update was like probably 2017, 2016, somewhere in there. And it was kind of like beginning to fall to the wayside. And now we have K9 mail back. And last week, I think July the 24th, to be precise, that it came back more than UI, looking good and all of that. So I'm like, ah, let's talk about it. I haven't used it necessarily. I think the one I used was Aquamail. And all of these things, a lot of them were actually built on uh, the K9 mail. So uh, it was an open source thing. It's still an open source thing. So people took advantage of that and put their own whatever on it. So I'm going to look into that K9 mail and I will... I'll bumble through this. I don't have enough connectivity. Folder, messaging, for Telegram. And by the way, I am using my dog's voice, uh, Zoe. I got a dog called Zoe. And so this Zoe from Vocalizer. So I thought it is appropriate. Zoe's upside though. Message, so she, she might bark. So uh, <laughs> there we go. I'm going to go in now and, Outlook. Messaging and find a... K9 mail. K9 mail. Set up a new account. Welcome to K9 mail. So when you open up K9 mail, this is what you hear. Welcome to K9 mail. K9 mail is a powerful free email client for Android. Its improved features include push mail using IMAP idle, better performance, message refiling, email signatures, BCC to self, folder subscriptions, all folder synchronization, return address configuration, keyboard shortcuts, better IMAP support, saving attachments to SD, empty trash, message sorting, and more. Please note that K9 does not support most free Hotmail accounts and, like many mail clients, has some quirks when talking to Microsoft Exchange. Please submit bug reports, contribute new features, and ask questions at https colon slash 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 k9mail slash k-9 slash period. I do want to mention here in passing that at the bottom of this, you have two buttons. To the left, we have Import settings button. And that means you could tap here and go grab some settings that you have already created for your Gmail account or some whatever other account that the K9 mail supports. And you could just import those settings and make the setup process as easy as, as possible. And then to the right of that, on the right-hand corner, we have Next. Next button. But then I do want to mention here that if you're using Gmail, for example, what you want to do first, though, is to go into your Gmail and create the app-specific password, because if you don't, you're going to get an error saying that it cannot connect to your Gmail, and that's because you need to generate that 
app-specific password. And also, if you're going to be using IMAP, by default, it uses IMAP. You want to make sure you go into your Gmail account and set it to use IMAP, or else you want to choose the manual and then set up a POP account. So I will now go ahead and tap on the next. And in this case, we're going to set up a POP account because I know that in order for the IMAP to work, I need to go into my Gmail and there uh, set it to IMAP. So now I'll tap on next. Next button. Set up a new account. Email address. Edit box. The first thing that we get is our email address. I will tap here and enter my email address. Showing English. W. W. A. A. R. R. The next field, of course, is the password. Password, password, edit box, showing password keyboard. And since I'm setting up my Gmail, I had gone in and generated that app-specific password. I will now type in that app-specific password. I will be back. Now that I have typed in my username and password, I need to tap on the advanced options. Advanced options. Tapping on advanced options, here's what we got. Use client certificate, checkbox, not checked. Use manual setup button, manual setup. Account. Go ahead and tap on manual setup if you're not using IMAP, like I'm going to be using POP. So I'm going to tap on that manual setup, and I just did that. Tapping on manual setup, here's what we got. What kind of account is this? IMAP button, IMAP. Next. Pop three button. Pop three. Tap on pop three. Incoming server settings. Pop three gmail.com. Edit box. Pop three server. Showing English. And so you've got to know the uh, incoming and outgoing servers of your Gmail account. And in this case, since it's asking for. Incoming server settings. Pop three gmail.com. Edit box. And I'm just going to type in pop.gmail.com. P-P-O-O-P-P, -P -P, period, period, G-G-M-M-A-A-I-I-L-L, -L, period, period, C-C-O-O-M-M. -M. So I'll just type in pop.gmail.com. Security. Next, we go to the security. Security, drop-down list, S-S-L-T-L-S. So that's the one by default. Incoming server settings. Next. 995 edit box port. Worker at gmail.com edit box username. Authentication. Authentication drop down list. Normal password. I'll leave it on normal password. Password 16 characters edit box password. And that's the password that I typed in earlier. The one I generated from Gmail. Show password button not checked. Client certificate. No client certificate, but next button. Next. I'm going to tab on next. Keyboard hidden. K9 mail. Checking incoming server settings. Outgoing server settings. SMTPGmail.com. Edit box. SMTP server. Outgoing server settings. And now I have to type in the outgoing servers smtpgmail.com, edit box, smtp server. 
So it's already in there, smtp.gmail.com. Security. Security, drop-down list, SSLTLS. And we'll leave that by default. 465, edit box, part. And leave that by default. Message. 465 is what we want. Require sign-in, checkbox, checked. Require okay. sign-in. Worker at gmail.com, edit box, authentication. Authentication, drop-down list, normal password. Password, 16 characters. Show password, client certificate. No client certificate, but next button. And next. next. Account options, folder poll frequency. All right, I'm in the account and folder options. And so this is about synchronization here. Number of messages to display, folder poll frequency, drop down list. Pop up window. I tab here to go choose as to how frequently I wanted to check for my messages. And I happen to be one of those that don't like my email clients constantly checking my email messages. When I want to check my email messages, I just launch the app. So we'll see what they have here. Every 15 minutes. That's every 15. Every 30 minutes. Every hour. Check. Every two hours. So by default, it's one hour. Every three hours. Every six hours. Every 12 hours. Every 24 hours. Never. Those are the options, and I'm going to tap on never. Folder pull frequency. Account options. Folder pull frequency, drop-down list, out of list. All right, the next option that we have here. Number of messages to display. You can go in here and choose the number of messages you want it to display. Let's see what we have. Number of messages to display, drop-down list, 25 messages. That's 25 messages. You could go in here and change that. Pop up with Let's see the maximum allowed. To 500 messages. 500 messages out. 25 messages. Check 50 messages. Number of messages to display. 50 is good enough for me. Number of messages. All right. Notify me when mail arrives. Checkbox. Checked. Notify me when mail. And I don't want that, so turn that off. Not checked. Next button. I'll go tab on next. You're almost done. Give this account a name. Optional. Edit box. And this, you can type your name, display. You can give it a name. Maybe if it's work, you could say work, or if it's just pleasure or personal, it's just up to you. You could give it whatever name you want. And as a matter of fact, you can call it dog if you want, but you give it a name if you want to. Give this account a name, type your name, displays on outgoing messages, edit box. So here, here's where you type your name so that when you send email messages, people know who it is coming from. Your friends know if it's coming from you or coming from someone else. So here's where we type our name. So I'm going to type my name in here. Sticker keyboard, capital W, capital A, A, war, T, war, R, 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 Warren, but Warren, comma, board, N. So I got my first name there. Space, Warren, capital C, capital A, A, T, R, 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 R. All right, let's see. Give this account a name, Warren Carr, done, button, done. I tap on done. Allow K9 mail to access your contacts, allow, button. I'm going to allow it to access my contacts because I like that auto feel of my email addresses, so I'm going to tap allow. Keyboard hidden. 
K9 mail. Navigate up button. So remember, this is my first time of using K9 mail since maybe 2013, 2012, somewhere back in there. Now I'm going to look at what we have here. Blind Android users, I thought this was a joke, but isn't. I want to see how we go about selecting if it allows one to select all of their email messages. So I am in my mailbox now, and let's take a look at what we have. So I'm going to look to see if, if there are any buttons here, any settings or anything of the sort. So starting from the top left corner, I'm going to look here. On the top left corner, we have... Navigate up button. Inbox. Inbox, which is just below the navigate top. And then to the right hand corner, we have like three or so buttons. And these are the buttons that we have. Search. Search. Compose. Compose. More options button. And more options. Let's go into more options and take a look. Pop-up window. Sort by. In list. Select all. Aha, there's the select all. So if you're one of those that want to clean up everything at once, you could simply tap on the select all and everything would be highlighted. Mark all as red. And we also have mark all as red. That's another thing you could tap on to choose. Now the next thing I want to take a look at is to tap on the compose and see how accessible it is to compose an email message. More options, compose. Showing English, U.S., QWERTY, keyboard, compose, edit box, editing for two. So I'm going to type in blind Android users at groups.io. B, B, L, L, I, I, N, showing up, D, D, A, showing up, N, N, D, D, T, R, R, O, O, I, I, D, D U S S E E T R R S S at at G G T R R O O U U P P S S period period I I O O Blind Android users at groups.io edit Recipient expander button. Subject edit box. Showing English. U.S. I'm going to type in here just test. Capital T. Board. E. E. The. S. S. Yes. T. T. Message text. Showing English. U I'm going to dictate. Capital B. Voice input. This is just a test using the K9 mail, period, new paragraph. I hope that this comes through, period, new paragraph. I will stop here and give it a test, period. This is just a test using the K9 mail. I hope that this comes through. I will stop here and give it a test, edit box, editing, message text. And that's it. That's how it works. Now I'm going to go back and see where the send is. Cut back button. Keyboard hidden. Finishing the typing of the mail or the email. Send battery six send compose. Near the top right again, we find the add attachment. Add attachment, which is to the left and to the right of that. Send. Send. More options. And more options. All those three buttons are there on the top right corner. Let's see what the more options has. Pop up window. Save as draft. 
Discard. Read receipt. Discard. Read receipt. That's it. So as Save. you can see, it's a nice email client. Save or discard this message. Discard button. Message discarded. K9 mail. And now let's go to where we can see the settings and further customize this email client. We do that by tapping on the navigate top near the top left corner. Comcast refuse navigate up button menu. When we tap on navigate to top, which is essentially the navigation drawer, these are the things that we find. Worker at Gmail. Worker at Unified Inbox selected. This Unified Inbox. Inbox one. Inbox. Outbox. Drafts. Sent. Trash. Manage folders. Out of list. Settings. Settings. And I think this is probably the most important one. So let's take a look here. Settings. Navigate up button. When we tap on the settings, here are the things that we find. Account settings. General settings. In list. This account settings. Accounts. Accounts. Account settings. Worker at gmail.com. Worker at gmail. Account settings. Add account. Backup. Account settings. Export settings. Account settings. Import settings. Account settings. About. Account settings. User forum. That's the last one. Let's now go back up and look at these other items here, the ones that are important, so we could customize it as we would like to. Account settings. Worker at Gmail. Account I tap in here, and here's what we got. Reading mail. General settings. So. General. General settings we've got. Account name. Worker. Default account. Send mail from this account by default. Account color. The accent color of this account used in folder and account list. That's the last one in there. Let's go back. Next is reading mail. Reading mail. Reading mail. And here's what we got. Always show images. No. In list. Mark as read when opened. Mark a message as read when it is opened for viewing. Checkbox. Checked. Those are the two items in the reading section. Let's go back. The next one is fetching mail. Fetching mail. Fetching mail. Navigate up. Button. Out of list. And here's what we got in fetching mail. Local folder size, 50 messages, in list. Fetch messages up to 32 kib. So you can go in here and change the size of the email messages you would like to be able to fetch. In other words, if you want it to be more than 32 kb. Folder pull frequency, never. And here's the one that I had changed earlier on, uh, setting it to not constantly checking my email messages. But if you want to go in here and choose how often it pulls or checks for your email messages, you can go in here. Pull folders, only first class folders. Sync server deletions, remove messages when deleted on server, checkbox, checked. And you could say no or yes, it's up to you. Mark as read when deleted, mark a message as read when it is deleted, checkbox, checked. When I delete a message, do not delete on server. Incoming server, configure the incoming mail server. And that's the last one. Let's go back now. 
Account settings. The next item is sending mail. Sending mail. Sending mail. Navigate up. Button. Out of list. And here's what we find. Composition defaults. Set your default from BCC and signature. In list. Manage identities. Set up alternate from addresses and signatures. Message format. HTML. Keep images and formatting. Always show CCBCC. Checkbox. Not checked. Read receipt. Always request a read receipt. Checkbox. Not checked. Reply quoting style. Prefix. Like Gmail. Quote message when replying. Include the original message in your reply. Checkbox. Checked. Reply after quoted text. The original message will appear above your reply. Checkbox. Not checked. Strip signatures on reply. Signatures will be removed from quoted messages. Checkbox. Checked. Quoted text prefix. Outgoing server. Configure the outgoing mail. SMTP. Server. And that's the last one in there. Let's go back. The next item is... Folders. Folders. Navigate up. Button. Out of list. And here's what we got. Auto expand folder. None. In list. The next one is... Folders to display, all except second-class folders. Next one. Move copy destination folders, all except second-class folders. And the last one. Folders to search, all. Let's go back. The next one is notifications. 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 Navigate up, button, out of list. And here's what we got. New mail notifications. Notify in status bar when mail arrives. Checkbox. Not checked. In list. Notifications folders. All. Disabled. Remember because I disabled mine because I don't like my notifications. Include outgoing mail. Show a notification for messages I sent. Checkbox. Checked. Disabled. Contacts only. Show notifications only for messages from known contacts. Checkbox. Not checked. Disabled. Sync notifications. Notify in status bar while mail is checked. Checkbox. Not checked. Notification settings. Open system notification settings. And that's the last one. Let's go back, see if there's any more. Account settings. And the last item here is the... End-to-end -end encryption. Let's take a look. End-to-end -end encryption. Navigate up. Button. Out of list. Here's what we got. Enable OpenPGP support. No OpenPGP app configured. Switch off in list. You can enable this and do that if that's what you want. Configure end-to-end -end key. No end-to-end -end key selected. Disabled. Autocrypt mutual mode. Off. Disabled. Hide unencrypted signatures. All signatures will be displayed. Switch off. Disabled. Encrypt message subjects may not be supported by some recipients. Switch off. Disabled. Store all drafts encrypted. Encrypt drafts only if encryption is enabled. Switch. Off. Disabled. Send autocrypt setup message. Securely share end-to-end -end setup with other devices. Disabled. That's the last one, and it all depends on that first one up here. If you turn this on. Enable OpenPGP support. No OpenPGP app configured. Switch. Off. So if you turn this on, then you should be able to config, uh, configure the other ones. Configuring. No OpenPGP app installed. K9 mail requires open keychain for end-to-end -end encryption. Out of list. Cancel. Button. Install. Button. And you can tap here to go install it. I'm going to click on cancel. Cancel. 
end-to-end account settings. I am glad this thing is resurrected, and so we have a nice email client to add to the arsenal of email clients that we have. It's a very good email client, and I'm going to be playing with it. If you like it, you should install it and compare it to the other ones that you have and see if this becomes your default email client. And that's the K9 mail. Um, I will. I have recorded an Aquamail demo for YouTube, which is my favorite um, app, but I did it chronologically. So I want to show you a couple of highlights because when you open Aquamail for the first time, it is awful uh, given uh, some of its swiping behavior. So I want to show you very quickly what you have to change. I'm not going to do an open from first principles because that's on the the YouTube video. We're in the inbox now. I want to show you Aquamail's default behavior. So a few things happened there. The first was that you had the subject before the sender which may or may not be fine. But then when I swiped, I didn't move to the next message. It said, and then it said, so I had to do three swipes for a single message, which is obviously not good for a talkback user. Now, some of these things are quite good for low vision or for dexterity because they are areas of the screen you can press on to make things happen uh, to your messages. But if you are a totally blind user using talkback, then this default behavior is no good at all. So I'm going to go into settings and show you how you change it. I'll also show you how you change the uh, hearing the subject line first if that's not what you want. I, I prefer to hit the sender first, but we'll, we'll go into settings. So we're going to go into settings. I could go into recent, actually, because I changed it there. Obviously, I don't have it set like this because I don't like it. Um, but I'm not going to go into recent settings. I cover that a little bit in the YouTube video. Look at the End-to-end encryption, data storage, confirmations, conversations, smart folder, account list, message list. It's message list we want. Message list, navigate up, message list, general, break up by date, break up the sticky date headers, date headers stick to the top when scrolling, tap header to select, slim padding, message content preview, with content message previews, select above center, display subject first, above the center, ticked, tick box. So this is the first one. It's not the critical one, but I am going to change it back. I like to hear the sender before the subject. That's so I can ignore people who I think are talking nonsense. Full center info. Message sizes. Attachments. Stars. Show per message star indicators. Tick. Tick box. So one of those things when I was swiping, you heard it say stars. Uh, and that was a single swipe all by itself just to get me to a star option. And this setting said... So I'm going to turn this off. Contact images, ground contact, color chips, check boxes, low format, fast scroll, reverse dump side, full missile, folder of protect, anyway, use background, switch background, select all, show centers, default sort, accessibility, selectors, larger tab areas to select the star messages, tick, tick box. And you heard the selector option there. I'm going to turn this off. And now I'm going to show you the Aquamail behavior in the inbox. Aquamail settings, recent, settings, manager, help slash We'll back out of settings further. 
And now you're hearing send us first and you're not hearing any silly selectors or stars uh, when I swipe. So, uh, as I say, I do cover that in the YouTube demo, but um, I thought useful just to to pull out that little segment there to get Aquamail to behave a little bit more in an orthodox manner than it might otherwise. Marion, what do you use for email on your phone if you use email? Uh, I mainly use Gmail client just because I feel like it's it's cool. I've never faced any issues with it. Although lately, I think that it's like there are better options. I also use Microsoft Outlook client on Android um, sometimes. It's cool, but um, what it does sometimes if I have like lots of emails, it crashes, which annoys me so much. So and there are a lot of features that aren't available in my country for some reason. So, yeah. That is annoying. Uh, Rana, what about you? Do you email much on your phone? Oh, yeah. I use the Gmail. Also, Gmail app. So, it is fine. But now, while you're explaining uh, on uh, the Aqua Mail, because when I select the messages, uh, I also have to go three swipes uh, to be able to select the other message. Um, this option uh, really. Uh, really is a better better one so maybe i had to change yeah, have a play with that email again in some ways it has too many settings it's like uh it, it's out androiding android in some ways uh but you can configure it to do exactly what you want austin do you, do you email on your phone or are you using your laptop i email on my phone i use the gmail app on the phone i don't use any other app gmail or very rarely i use outlook but i like to email on the laptop that big keyboard and nice response and very comfortable but if i'm not on my laptop i do use my phone for emails and doug what about you i'm kind of like austin i jump depending on what i need i jump between gmail and outlook um generally if i'm doing anything at a professional capacity it's going into my outlook personal it's always my gmail yeah so i i wanted to talk a little bit about um i I primarily use the edison mail and gmail those are the ones i use the most on my phone and outlook i also use outlook uh depends on uh what i'm doing it with or you know what group i'm using it for like in my church group i use outlook because uh that's the one i use but i don't understand you know where um miriam is saying it's crashing on her phone mine doesn't crash and we have a lot of email messages uh from the group you know on a daily basis yeah, and um crashes. actually I, I i really like outlook it's a great email client and i like the way it behaves now um the other email that I talked about, you know, Edison Mail, simply called uh, email now, is another good one. But there's uh, one that I really like. It's called Bird Mail. I'm going to talk about that on our YouTube channel. A lot of things are not labeled, but it's a very simplistic, very effective email client. And I can't wait to see that get uh, made accessible so those of us who are blind can take advantage or fully take advantage of it because uh, people that like to select things at once, this is the email client for you. It's just tap on select all and 
Um, boom, there you go. So really looking forward to seeing bird mail. So the bird, just like the little bird flying above your head, bird mail. So yeah. Yeah. has a select all team. Yeah. But you have to select what it does. Does it select all messages on screen, all laded messages? What it, what I don't think the Aquamail select all will do, I don't know if Birdmail does. Um, Aquamail can't select all the messages on the server. Yeah. See, um, what I like about Aquamail, you know, and of course I got the Aquamail back in 2013, and I, I saw back then this was the best email client. Um, but when Inbox came along in 2014, I switched to Inbox. Now, the thing that I didn't like about Aquamail is that you, it just, it, too many settings. You have to go into the settings. If you don't do that, um, you're not going to be taking full advantage of it. And so it's one of those apps that, you know, I say, hey, you know, it takes a lot of uh, uh, going through to get it set up the way you want. And for Isn't me... Isn't that like Android, though? Isn't that the point of Android? For me, though, <laughs> you know, if an app takes that long to get it all going, uh, it's not going to be my go-to most of the time. But once you have that thing set up, uh, probably one of the best email clients out there. So take your time, go through the settings, customize it to the way you want. Aquamail is a great email client. Now we move on to the next in our series on the commentary screen reader. And Marion brings us uh, the next episode. Commentary screen reader, or the Chinese screen reader, has gotten really popular among blinds and visually impaired recently. And here, on the Blind Android Users podcast, we will have a series of episodes in which we will talk about how to use the screen reader and how to get the best out of it. and welcome to episode number eight of CSR's Basics. First of all, I'm so sorry about my voice. I just <laughs> um, got a cold, so my voice is a little bit weird. Anyways, so today's episode, um, we'll be talking about a couple things. First one, um, there's been an update that released got released um, to CSR on July 25th. So... We will be talking, it's a major update, especially for the international users. So we will be talking about changes and what happened in this release. Also, we will be going over how to label buttons and um, like in inaccessible apps. And we will be going over how to share them with the server or how to even import them if you want. So first thing, um, the major update that got released on July 25th, 2021. What happened in that release? Um, there have been some things that are like got added um, features. And there have been some major things that got changed in the menus and translation. And things that got changed and re-translated again. Um, so first of all, let's go over the things that um, got added. So there have been you know there haven't been some stuff that you know are pretty new but what happened is there have been some features that are included only in the premium subscription that got added to people who are using the free uh, application um so i i'll be 
doing episode like in the upcoming episodes i'll be demonstrating um the, the additional stuff that are only available for premium users but i just wanted to focus more on the free things f first just because i know that you know if there are people who want to try the application they would definitely go for the free version and they would want to know what features are included in the free version and how to use them before they think about um, if they want to use the um, paid version or not, or if they want to pay for it. So um, the things that got added, um, the features that are included now in the free um, version are, first thing, if you actually listen to the first and second episode, we talked about the notification settings. Um, so there was a setting, it's called notification summarizing or notification summary. Um, which when you get a notification, the screen reader would just read, you know, it won't read the whole thing, especially with Telegram and WhatsApp chats. Um, if you don't have the, you know, the um, notification summary turned on, it will just read the whole. Like I have, for instance, eight chats with unread messages. It sometimes will start reading every single message of every single chat. Um, but with the notification summary, it won't do that. It will just read a summary, like a summary of the notification that you've got, which is a pretty cool feature. I, I think it's good if you don't want, um, your screen reader to speak too much. So this, uh, feature is now included in the, um, free version of the, yeah, the application. Also, um, the primary and secondary TTS this feature was only available for premium users, but now it's available for everyone. Um, what it means is you would have a primary TTS engine, which is the TTS that you use. It's the TTS that's set in your Android settings. And you would have a secondary one, which is the one that you set up and, and configure in the, like the application itself, which will read volume controls and volume changes when you change them. It will read notifications when you get notifications and it will read everything. So that's what um, primary and secondary DTS means. Let's go and demonstrate that how, how to set it up since we didn't. Home button. Navigate up button. Home button. One UI home. Um, before we go on, I know my speech rate, I slowed it down because we've gotten some messages from users who say that um, my speech rate is kind of pretty... Um, fast so please let me know in the comments or in, on the mailing list if that's okay this speech rate is okay if you want me to slow it down a little bit more main menu so let's go to program settings program settings gshiro plus um we would need to go to G email nine general setting tts settings TTS setting. TTS engine allows to set the main TTS engine used to read content. In case the TTS engine fails to read, the program will fall back on the next available TTS engine. So simply what it means is if you select a certain TTS engine that you want the app to use, because you can set a TTS engine only for CSR and it won't care about what TTS engine you're using in the system or what system settings do you have. Um, but what it means is if you set a TTS engine and the 
the application, the screen reader couldn't find it or couldn't work, it'll switch to the default one that you've set in your system settings, which is cool. Read desk second T to see navigate up TTS engine allows to set the main TTT secondary TTS engine allows to set a secondary TTS engine used for reading notifications and other secondary content. Setting the same engine as the main voice engine is equivalent to using just a single TTS engine. So this is the secondary TTS engine. Um, it mainly tells us that if we select the same TTS engines for the secondary and the primary TTS engine, it'll be equivalent to using the um, prime, like single TTS. So it won't matter. Use um, a single TTS engine checkbox checked. So if we want to select another secondary TTS engine, we'd need to uncheck this box because it means that we want to use couple TTS engines at the same time. Unchecked. Secondary TTS engine allows to set so a secondary T secondary TTS engine. Secondary TTS engine. We find all the TTS engines that we have. System TTS engine unchecked. The system, which is the default. Samsung text to speech engine Chrome Samsung SMT unchecked. Samsung TTS. Speech services by Google Com Google Android TTS uh, unchecked. Speech services by Google, which is the Google TTS, but its name has been changed. Auto TTS Com speak audits unchecked. Auto TTS. A capella TTS Com acapella group Android TTS unchecked. So simply all the TTS engines that you have on your phone, it'll show them here, and you could just pick one of them, and they would work. Back button TTS home. Navigate up um, button. T -t secondary. Use a single T. Check this box because I don't want to use a couple TTS engines at the same time for the moment. So this is like th those are as far as I know and as far as I've tested um, the app, the things that have been added. Today is July thirty first. I'm recording this, so I'm still testing, um, and I'm still um, doing you know exploring stuff. Um, also, I just want to point out that if you um, update it to the latest and you want to get the best out of it and you don't want any problems, um, you would need to restore your settings um, to the default because if you don't, there are some problems and bugs that are happening, which kind of annoys me because like, if I'm still learning how to use a screen reader, if I'm still learning Android, I won't, like, I won't be able to do that. And I think that there are problems in the like the screen reader, but how can you do, you restore to the default settings and it's another bug? There's nothing in the app itself that would allow you to do that. So how you can do it is just you would go to the application, um, and you would go to um, app info and then storage and then clear data. And hit OK, it'll delete all the data. Also, you need to go to your file manager, whatever you're using, whether it's Google File Manager or um, Samsung or EX Explorer or whatever it is. <laughs> and you'd go to the, the the folder that's associated for the, the screen reader, which won't be <laughs> pronounced as usual, and just delete the whole folder. That way, you... Um, you will have all your settings restored to the default. But be aware that you would need to turn TalkBack on. Um, New notifications. Secondary TTS. Engine allows. 
or any um, screen reader that you have because once you restore to the default settings the app would stop working which is still a bug because like if i want to restore the default settings what if i don't have another screen reader um it's still a really annoying thing to have but i mean i already like i'm already working on contacting the developer and i would definitely recommend that you all um, reach out because they're pretty responsive they like to solve something like things to whatever and listen to con like feedback and stuff from users so i would definitely recommend you do that now um let's go and see what happened to translation i won't be able to um you know mention everything that's happened um just because they're like it's been as the translator said um he translated the whole thing from scratch so i definitely won't be able to um you know collect all of them and just talk about them because we'll be here for hours but um i mean we would just um touch on some of them which i think are pretty um you know important and um huge when it comes to screen readers so first thing the main menu has been um re um arranged so how to open the main menu if you remember with a like down and right a main menu now it says main menu and i think it's better because um before the update it used to say menu 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 while like um, whether you're opening the main menu itself or opening the actions menu or opening anything, it didn't care, which kind of was confusing, especially if, um, you know, I'm still a beginner. Main menu, granular browsing mode. Granular browsing mode. This is the navigation menu. It's the same. I mean, it's, that's the navigation menu. Um, I love the you know that's read translated because navigation menu wasn't that accurate like um i didn't know what to do with it um unless i did ask and know like i did find out from um the group list browsing list browsing is the same thing read the whole screen um read the whole screen so i will go over the menu and just we will stop on the things that i think that are um that have gotten changes current time read the whole screen Voice assistant, extensions, program settings, disable speed, current, disable speech. So, disable speed, um, it's the same thing as suspend voice, voice feedback, but it's now disable speech, which is good because, um, I mean, it's, it's not a huge change, but it's good. Current time, disable curtain. Disable curtain, and, um, it now announces if the curtain is enabled or disabled, um, because before, sometimes it used to um, not say if the curtain's just curtain. Just used to say curtain and you won't know um, if it's disabled or enabled, which is good. Um, but here there's a bug that I want to talk about. When you restart your phone, the curtain gets turned off. Um, which doesn't happen with TalkBack. And... But it happens with CSR, which is weird. I, like, for instance, I sometimes forget, like, that my my curtain... I restart my phone. I forget that CSR turns the curtain back off um, when restarting. And I don't know that my curtain's turned off. 
um, and my screen is visible, which is annoying. I, I would really like if the curtain gets turned on while the app, while, like, after we start. Um, I don't know if that happens with everyone, but my phone does happen on it. So please let me know if it happens. Notification box. Goodreads application to top. Um, it says it... Goodreads application. Goodreads here on the menu. It doesn't say open an app. It says application. So you, you, um, you need to notice that. To top. To top. To end. To end. Those are the bottom and top that would, you know, scroll if you want to. If you're on a website or, um, a list of items and you just want to jump to the, the bottom, it's now to end and to, to top. We've actually demonstrated that before. Automatic browsing. Automatic browsing is the same. Backwards automatic browsing. Um, backwards automatic browsing. It's retranslated because it was but, uh, auto previous, which you didn't really understand. Translation. Um, and the translation. Player pause. Player pause. If you want to play or pause. And it's a bug. It doesn't work. I have associated a gesture to do that, but it doesn't work with like either with YouTube or any music player. Um, or even audiobook players doesn't work. Edit cancel button. So let's go to program settings because I know that settings would become a little bit confusing. Current time. Disable program settings. The names of the settings have been changed. So let's see what has been changed. TT feedback settings. Um, feedback settings the same. Operation settings. So as you can see, operation settings is the same thing as the action settings, but um it's now called operation settings reading settings reading settings it's um it was before like previously the content presentation notification reading settings um, notification reading settings it was just notification settings advanced settings advanced settings um notification Notification reading settings is pretty cool just because sometimes, I mean, sometimes, like, I was notification the same thing before. When I opened the settings, I was like, okay, so is it the notification settings for the app? Like, how am I supposed to get notifications from the app itself? Or is it the notification reading settings? So I needed to open it up and see. But now it's um, accurate. And um, I think that translation... Um, as far as a, as far as what they've done is pretty cool. Um, it's a little bit, I mean, confusing and we would still take a while to get used to it. I still am getting used to it, but, um, mainly it's good, much more accurate, much more, um, explained, especially for beginners. So I definitely like what, what's happening. So now um, we will move on to our next part of the episode, which is how to label buttons. First thing we know we need to go to reading settings, reading settings, reading, which is content presentation previously. Navigate dynamic alert. Label reading settings. We need to go to label reading settings. Label reading settings. Label read automatically read the window title checkbox checked controls whether the window title is automatically read. If the window has no title, the first focusable element of the window is read instead. So, um, what does that mean is if you're opening a new window and um, you want it to read it for you. We're, here we're not talking about windows in general. We're talking about windows that might be unlabeled. 
So、um, the screen reader tells you that if you have a window and this window, it's gonna try to to label it for you. It's gonna try to look for the the label of it. And if it didn't find it, we'll just read the first element of it.、Um, so I'd leave that checked. Read web page. Control type checkbox checked controls whether all types of controls are announced on web pages. If the option is off, only the most important control types like links, headings, and buttons are read. So as you can tell, here it means if you want it to read forms, um, images, um, it's like buttons, headings, links. If you uncheck this box, it would read headings, links, and things that. Screen reader thinks that important, but if you leave it on, it'll read you everything like combo box,、um, visited link, whatever it is.、Um, it's pretty much the same thing as、um, document document formatting settings in MVA screen reader on Windows. It's pretty much the same. So I'd leave that on if you want. You definitely check this box. Read unlabeled controls checkbox checked controls whether an unlabeled controls ID is being read while the control has no label. So. What it means is, if you have an unlabeled button and the screen reader couldn't identify it, so it'll just tell you button, you know, button. It won't like just make a sound and won't read it. And I think it's good because、um, that way you would know if it's a button or an image or whatever. Read the index when the control has no label. Checkbox checked controls whether the index of the control is read when it has neither a label nor ID. Please note that this option works even when the index reading is turned off. Yeah. So what it means? I mean, it's already explained, but、um, it'll read the index of a label.、Um, I think, like to simplify the the process of labeling the buttons for you, and.、Um, It tells you that it will work even if you have the index、um, announcement off, which I have it off. Like because it always like when it reads every index number of the, the elements on the screen, which is sometimes annoying. So,、um, if you want, you could just check those buttons. And、um, I just want to say that on Twitter, the Twitter client for Android, the、um, official one. There's been the search and explore button tab.、Um, it wasn't identified. It wasn't read. But after I updated to the latest version, it's actually now read. It wasn't either read with Talkback or CSR, as far as I know. But now it's read, which means that they do their best to try to like update the database and how the application works to make it read unlabeled buttons. So let's go to、um, an app that doesn't have unlabeled buttons. I mean, that that has unlabeled buttons, and let's try to label it together. So now I'll open up、uh, Videoter. Videoter is an application that you use to download videos from YouTube and Facebook and SoundCloud and things like that. Various applications. It has a lot of unlabeled buttons. So let's go to it. Back home button. One UI. One app screen. Page one of the. Mektebeketa mesta. Be my orange vocalizer. Instagram, Discord, to Zoom, Team Talk, Pay Team Talk. I want the text to go. X Signal, Light Reader, Talibut, Jish, Cal, Advoid, Mektabeka Docs, Video, Videoter. Yeah, here it is. Videoter, C zero button. So as you can tell, there are a lot of unlabeled buttons. U nine button, Z button, Z home selected. 
Home select. Music. Mute. Gaming. Gaming. News. News. Live. Live. L4 button. So, um, it's already open on YouTube. So once you open it, you have a YouTube. So you can New notification. L4 button. Put a link in or, um, a title of a video. But L4 is supposed to open Facebook if you want to search on Facebook. So how we can label this button? L L4 button. We are now focused on it. We will open the main menu by um down and right swipe. Main menu. And we'll swipe left. More button. Cancel button. ADDA label button. As you can see, it's add label button here. Add a label. We hit this button. Share custom labels to L4 text box. We have a text box that has the label in it, uh, the name of the button, um, which is unlabeled. It's just L4. So what we need is... 4. Showing English. Us. QWERTY. Keyboard. Uh, we would open the function menu, which is which was previously the actions menu, but now it's retranslated. Uh, with up and right swipe. Function menu. Function menu. Clear. Clear. Clear, which was previously clean the current focus text box. So we press this button. Add a label. And share custom labels to the cloud at L4 text box currently edited. Well, it didn't clean it. F -f clear. Add a label. Share custom labels to at L4 text box currently okay, edited. So let's Delete. Oh, okay. So obviously it's not, it's not written in the edit box. Let's try it on, on right, untap something and see. F, F, A, Facebook. Fa, Facebook. C, Fa, R, E, Face, Facebook. C, B, 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 J, K, Book, so. Facebook text box currently edited. Yeah, so the text box didn't have anything. It just was named. But, I mean, I mean, let's just clear the text box for caution. So now it's labeled. Share custom labels to the cloud checkbox unchecked. Um, if you want, you could check this box and it's going to share labels to the cloud so people can download it and they would have, um, you know, this application labeled. So you could just label the whole thing and share everything to the cloud. And, you know, now you you spread the, the word and spread the help, which is good. So I will check this box. Translation button. Um, if you want to translate it to another language like Arabic, French, um, or anything else. Cancel button. Okay button. Just hit okay. English L5 button. Facebook button. And as you can see, it's already labeled. Um. So that's how it works. Also, if you want to share labels with someone, um, you know, through any other possibility that you know the server or the cloud or whatever, you could just go to the the folder, the screenreaders folder and go to labels and you would find everything there and just share them copy them and paste them anywhere else um or if you want to back your settings up um you know new notification live reinstall the app so um that's it for today i hope you enjoyed this one i hope it was useful definitely 
member, if you have any questions, feel free to reach me. New notification from the whole podcast. And contact us at blindandudeusers.com. And I hope you liked this episode. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, see you next week. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you do actually have any questions, do feel free to reach out to me or to the whole podcast at contact us at blindandreadjudges.com. And I hope you enjoyed this one. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. And now we turn to our app of the week, and it comes from Warren this week, and it's the app Water Resistant. All right. Thank you so much, Ed. So I was just, as always, stumbling around on the Play Store, and I ran into this app called Water Resistant Tester or something like that test. And I thought, hey, I'll give it a test and see what it is like, of course, to see if whether this thing is accessible or not. And so I installed a water resistant uh, resistor or whatever on my Pixel 1, the first generation Pixel, talking about the Google Pixels here. And uh, this is water resistant on my Pixel 1. Water resistance tester. So when you launch the app, Water resistance tester. This app will help you test whether the water resistance seals on your phone are still intact by using the barometer built into your phone. Do note that the seals can become compromised with drops and device agent dash keep your phone away from all liquids. Uh-huh. App. Pressure. And so there are these buttons that it says uh, pressure. STD. Deviation. 973.76 pa. 0.02 pa. Current pressure. 973.91 pa. Status. Please quickly and firmly press on your phone screen with both thumbs. Okay, so this is where I would test it. So ideally, what you do is you put the phone down flat on your desk, and then you press down on it. So I'm going to put it down here on my desk, and then we'll see what the result is. And I let go, and I'll see what it says. Support the developer slash remove AD. Your phone does not appear to be water resistant. Try removing your phone's case and pressing quicker and firmer on the screen. So it tells me that my phone does not appear to be water resistant of course this pixel one is not water resistant so if you want to check as to how resistant your phone is to water if you want to be like uh my friend rana there and then dumping your phone in in the water and washing it just to show that your phone is water resistant you want to first use this app to see if indeed that phone is resistant to water or else you'll have a phone that is deader than a, a doorknob or something crazy like that so that is water resistant. Uh, when I when I was having the Note Five, you know, Note Five is not water resistant. So by mistake, I poured some water on on the phone, <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then the it stopped working. So what I did, uh, I ordered some rice. <laughs> I, I I ordered I ordered one kilogram of rice. And I put my phone inside of the right bag and I, I closed the, the bag. I kept it for like two hours and I turned it on and it worked. Oh. Yeah, there you go. You know, people yeah. have been talking about the rice, but you know, another thing that people say is actually more effective than rice is that silicon. You know, like when you buy some shoes or when you buy new stuff, you have that little bag of silicon in there. It's very effective.
Well, that's what that's uh-huh. for as well. I mean, normally you don't have that around, I guess, which is why you stick your phone in a bag of rice. That, that silicon is meant to be a drying agent, isn't it, for trainers? So, yeah, that's why that's why that would work. Yeah. And now we have uh, the next in our My Android Journey, and I'm delighted to say we're joined by Rana Kiwan from Lebanon. Hello, Rana. Hello, everyone. So... Would you like me to tell you my journey? Please. Okay. Uh, before using Android in 2014, uh, I was using iPhone 3GS. Uh, when I saw two of my rel- uh, relatives using Sony Xperia Z and uh, Sony Xperia Acro S, I was really impressed by the uh, the idea of, uh, by the feature of waterproof, yes, waterproof experience. So I, I, I was dreaming of the day where I can put my phone and a drink in front of my friends and I can wash it and take it with me to the shower and answering calls while, while I'm in the shower. But I was hesitant in the first place because no one in my area was using Android. When my relative, Karin Kiwan, started using Android and she knew my desire of having a Sony, she encouraged me to, uh, to go for this advantage. She showed me her phone, her Nexus phone, uh, and uh, she, she taught me how to use some gestures. Sony is more difficult than, than Nexus because Sony is not from Google itself. So, so it, it is really adventurous. And since I'm a technical support person, I wanted to uh, enrich my experience in Android and to be able to help people around me. The launcher on Z1 phone was not accessible at all, especially uh, the icon. I, I bought Z1, actually. I forgot to say that I bought uh, Sony Xperia Z1 in 2014. So I had to install uh, Apex and to organize the icons. Uh, the Xperia X, uh, keyboard also was not accessible. I had to download uh, Gboard, the Google keyboard, uh, from an external source as an APK, because as you know, at that time, uh, Google keyboard was, was not available on Play Store. Uh, because it's not, it's not a Google phone. I even remembering uh, remember answering phone calls was not accessible at all. I also had to <laughs> to install another application um, to make it uh, work. You know, even answering WhatsApp was not easy. I had to learn the hard way how to find the place where I can swipe to answer on the screen. But the experience as a whole was amazing. Uh, I was comfortable with Android being an open source and uh, uh, the file transfer was much easier. There are more applications. Uh, I remember how happy I was when I installed, uh, I mean, call recorder, uh, phone call recorder, because this feature, uh, this app was not available on App Store. I have to say that I'm a volunteer on uh, a youth association of the blind. I used to help people 
there are in technical issues such as phone referrals, screen readers, um, even um, helping and showing people how to use phones and computers. I also do computer, uh, computer Windows installations and things like that. Uh, so every time I've, I saw a visually disabled person, uh, they would be surprised uh, when I'm uh, when I show them my phone, especially that I'm using Android and in particular uh, Sony Xperia. They would also ask me, "Is this as accessible?" <laughs> and I always explain. Uh, and some people I, I used to teach some people how to use this phone. So after a few years, I started setting up phones, Android phones for visually uh, disabled people, uh, starting from my best friend and teaching them how to use the to use the phone and to how to make the gestures because it's it's more difficult than than iPhone, you know. So um, I even help uh, sighted people with uh, with their phones setting it up and doing, uh, even uh, helping their problems. Uh, I, I worked with Sony, Samsung, and Huawei phones. In 2016, I switched to Samsung Galaxy Note 5. The experience was much better uh, because Samsung, Samsung uh, phone is more accessible the interface, the built-in application, and even answering answering calls, there is a button, home button, where you can press to answer calls. Although I'm still using Launcher, Home Screen, and, uh, and Google Keyboard. Nowadays, I'm using Samsung Galaxy Note 9, and it is really amazing. Uh, after, after using all every phone I repaired, I deduced that Note series is the best. And thankfully I got Note 9 before the crisis started because now I'm not able to change my phone. That was really interesting. Uh, and it's always good to hear the, the Android journey. It's interesting to hear the pitfalls you handled it as well. Um, I'm interested to know why, why did you want a Sony particularly when everyone else was on the Nexus? What, what, what attracted you to the Xperia? Was it just a waterproof feature or was there anything else about the phone you thought was quite good? Or did you literally just want to uh, dunk it in a, uh, a drink? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the first thing was the waterproof. And this feature is really, really attractive to me. <laughs> and when I got the phone, I used to wash it in front of my friends and to show them and to show them the phone. And actually, um, the second uh, thing, when I saw the Sony Xperia Z with my friend, and um, I felt that this phone is non-breakable. It is uh, like uh, the, the texture of the phone, uh, the glassy texture attracted me. Yeah, because I really like Sony. I think they make beautiful hardware. I had an Xperia. Um, uh, Warren won't like this, but as, as I say on my bio on the Android users, I think Google make thoroughly underwhelming hardware because they're ultimately a search software company. 
uh, and Sony, Sony, Samsung as well make nice hardware. So, so I got the Xperia just because I like Sony things because they're shiny and sleek and Sony-ish and perform quite well in a hardware perspective. But yeah, a lot of the a lot of the inbuilt apps were quite annoying, and I had to trade them off as well. Yeah, and uh, that's the same reason I I got the Sony because I wanted to 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 take the adventure, you know. I don't want to get something easy, something that is equipped. I want to to, to get something and to fully equip it with to, to make it accessible myself with external applications. I was going to say that what I like about the Sony phones back then, especially in 2013, Sony happened to be one of those manufacturers that actually had what we call a PGE device. And Rana, if you had gotten the PGE version, you wouldn't have had all those problems that you had with Sony because along with uh, uh, Samsung, even Samsung had a PGE device. And the one I got was a Samsung Galaxy S3, no, S4. And that was a PGE device. There was the one from Sony. There was the one from HTC. And I think those were the three. There may be another manufacturer that had a PGE device, pure Google uh, edition device. But uh, that was such a nice phone. Probably the boxy feel of the Sony back then was my complaint uh, <laughs> about the phone. Or else, like you said, uh, it's a nice hardware. And no, um, Ed, I agree with you. When it comes to hardware, uh, Google probably is at the bottom of the barrel here. Um, frankly, I think that the best looking devices when we're talking hardware wise would be the likes of the galaxies, especially the flagship phones are beautifully built. Oh, yeah. And some, uh, Google, uh, Google needs to do something different and they know it. We don't count Google here when we talk hardware. That's why I'm afraid to get, like, I'm too scared to get a Google phone because I've been using Samsung for years and years and, and Samsung hardware was amazing. So if I got a Google and I just treat it the same way I treat Samsung phones, it's going to break, like, in the first week. Be scared. Be afraid. Don't talk to strangers. Don't buy a picture. <laughs> oh, but it will, okay? But, you know. Like, life mottos. <laughs> be scared. With all of that, though, it's a little bit better than it used to be. So let's give a little credit where credit is due, you know. But the Pixel 5 was rubbish, wasn't it? What was it doing sporting a 765 processor when everyone else, everyone else was on A6? Like, yeah, what, 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 why, I why? Uh, Google took a step back there um, for some reason. And, you know, Google phones tend to be overpriced, just like Samsung and Nokia, you know, like to overprice their phones. We can count those uh, manufacturers that, you know, kind of put too much price on their phones and it's not... It's not necessarily. Come on, man. So, but Google, I don't know what happened. They did that. Um, so that that's what happened. Yeah, but they're not pricey as like Samsung because I've seen some of Samsung phones like they're pretty expensive, way more than Google's are. Like the Samsung Galaxy Fold, for instance, it's pretty expensive. The Z Fold. Yeah, but that's a novel thing. That's that's a new thing. But I'm talking about just simple glass or plastic and whatever. Look at the Google uh, Pixel 4 a 5G for uh, $600 or is it even $700? I, I don't even remember. No, actually. No, the but Pixel 5, Pixels are Pixel about 5 is $700. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. 
Some of the pixels have gone down in price. I mean, for, for a while they were going up. I think they were trying to compete with Apple, but then they've gone down. Um, I mean, the, the higher end are like six or 700, but the you can get one for about 400 bucks now. So they've gone down in price. And I think 400 bucks is a, a fair price. <laughs> Not no, 600. I like that, that 400 price of the Pixel 4a, but the Pixel 5 is an overpriced phone for $700 for what it brings to the table. And yet we have in that same class, you know, phones from other manufacturers that are like $500. I think that thing was way overpriced. That thing yeah, shouldn't have been more yeah. than $500 or $550 at the most. But $700, that's why I didn't want to buy that phone. Excuse my Espanol on that one. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, Google's kind of stepping up to the plate and I hope that these new phones that come from Google are different uh, as they're taking a different direction. Well, no, it's supposed to be. There are some uh, favorable rumors about the, the, the Pixel 6, aren't there? So we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, very curious. Yeah. Austin, where do people find us? People can visit us on our website, blindandroidusers.com which is now ready and looks fantastic and works fantastic. And they can also visit us on our YouTube channel. That is youtube.com slash blind Android users. If they want to work on your website, you want to build your own website, you can visit Doug's website and contact him. That is arcaccessibility.info. And if you have questions regarding the podcast, send us an email using contactus at blindandroidusers.com. If you want to send in your pre-recorded Android journey story, although we would like you to come live, but uh, if you cannot come live and some want to submit your story, send it to myandroidjourney at blindandroidusers.com. To subscribe to our mailing list, you can send an email to blindandroidusers plus subscribe at groups.io and join us on our Telegram group, our clubhouse, follow us on Twitter. All those links will be in the show notes. And also please read the show notes for playlist for short segments on this episode. That is all from the contact us segment. And that's all we have for you this week. So Uh, We shall see you next week. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. See you next week. And that has been another episode of the Blind Android Users Podcast. As always, we appreciate hearing from you. You send those email messages to contact us at blindandroidusers.com. For those My Android Journey stories, we encourage you to send those to myandroidjourney at blindandroidusers.com. Until we see you in our next episode, you have a wonderful day.